Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. I said, are you ready to get in the Word today? Come on. When I go to church, I never come to hear a man speak. I come to hear God speak. Amen. Right? Man's going to let you down. God will never let you down. And our prayer is that every single time that we gather, like Nicole said earlier, our vision is that people would encounter God. I don't know about you, but one encounter with God changed my life, radically transformed me. Going to church didn't change my life. Singing a few songs that felt like karaoke on a Sunday when I was newly saved, that didn't change my life. An encounter with God changed my life, and His Spirit is here, and He wants to speak to us. And so my prayer today is as we go through and we share out of the Scriptures every time that we gather, that the Lord speaks to your heart and your mind for what He wants to do in you. And when God does that and you have that encounter with him, life change happens. And today, after service, I'm so excited because we have a young man that the Lord has touched his life. And he approached his parents and said, I want to be baptized. And, uh, and so this, this, uh, this Sunday, immediately following service, we get to baptize Josiah Mendez, uh, part of the family. And I'm just so, so proud of him. And, uh, and so we're going to join together as a family. We purposely created space in the service so that we can gather out there as a family and, and uh, be part of that holy moment. You know, and if you've never been baptized, if you're here today and you've never been baptized, um, I just want you to know the invitation's open to you as well. Uh, we have towels. We have uh, really cool, actually, authentic T-shirts. I, I personally love. I got like 20 of them in my closet. But um, we, have, we have really cool T-shirts we'll give you. And, and you can take that home. It's our gift to you. But there's no time like the present. And if you've never been baptized, or maybe you were water baptized uh, when you were younger, um, but you're feeling a tug on your heart today during the service, the Holy Spirit will tell you. It, it, you'll feel nervous. <laughs> Anytime God moves on you, it's kind of like, oh, I feel suddenly like I want to cinch back. But the call of God's telling you to go forward. And uh, for me, I was, uh, I was sprinkled on my head. I was raised Catholic, uh, Irish Catholic family. Um, my uncle was a priest. My dad was born on St. Patrick's Day. His name is Patrick. Like, that's how Catholic the Peterson family is. And uh, I was baptized Catholic, but then when I got saved, really had an encounter with God, like Bella shared that she had. When I had an encounter with God, I learned and began to read my Bible, and in the Bible, it actually never says anywhere to baptize children because they, it's something you do as a response to what God's done in you. So baptism is a response to what God's done in you where you say, yes, I want to put to death, like Jesus died on the cross and he was buried, I'm going to put to death my sinful nature, I'm going to be buried in the waters of baptism, and I'm going to rise up as a new person. And that's exactly what happens. People say, man, living a Christian life is really hard. And I would argue it's not hard. It's actually impossible. Like, you cannot do it without God. But with God, all things are possible. And when you're baptized, if you want to go really a deep dive in, in doctrine, baptism is essentially the seal of the document of the covenant that you've received as sons and daughters of Christ in believing in the Lord Jesus. So if you've not got the seal on that covenant, then your life is still opened up to some things. But when you get that seal on the covenant that God has for you, it's amazing how the Bible starts making better sense. Your 
your prayer life changes, your outlook on life, your relationships change because you have the view, you have a perspective from heaven. So if you've not been baptized, today is your day. You can be baptized immediately after service. I'm going to pray one more time and we're going to jump into the word, all right? God, we thank you for your word. I thank you that it's life and it's light. And we ask you now, speak to us, Lord. Your servants are listening in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, during Christmas time, I don't know about you, but we always recount the Christmas story. And all around the world, there's billions of people that were gathering to, that will gather together this week, especially coming up to Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. There are billions of people that will gather together to celebrate the greatest story ever told. And the Bible isn't just some other book. In fact, it's the greatest selling book of all time. If you look at the, at the bestseller list, they actually used to have the Bible on there, but because it was always the bestseller every single year, they just decided, okay, you win, uncle, okay, well, we're going to recognize somebody else. We know the Bible is the best, greatest selling book of all time. They actually don't even list it anymore because it's the greatest selling book of all time. The Bible is not only uh, timeless, but it's timely. Like there's things, when you read the Bible, there's times where it's going to jump off the page and the Word of God is going to speak to you. The Bible is the only book when you read it, it reads you. <laughs> you ever been reading the Bible and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I feel corrected in an area of my life. <laughs> I have to forgive 70 times 7, Lord? That hurts. I don't know. You know, you know, whatever it might be. Like the Lord, as you read the Bible, then the Bible begins to read you and the Holy Spirit breathes on those times and speaks to you. It's one of the reasons why it's so important in a great practice, a great spiritual discipline to be in the Word of God every single day because the Word is our daily bread. And so when we... Uh, this morning as we take a look, we're going to take a look at one aspect of the Christmas story. And, um, and I don't know about you, but I love, I love my nativity scenes. Um, uh, you know, I, I have a, I, we have a cool nativity scene my wife got years ago. And, and, uh, and, and in our nativity scene, you know, it, most people's, it has, you know, baby Jesus and you have Mary and Joseph and then you might have some animals there, right? You'll have, you know, the manger. Uh, and then you'll have an angel, right, that represents, you know, declaring uh, the word that the, the Christ child was born. And then you'll also have these wise men. And I really, I really don't want to ruin your Christmas nativity scene, but the wise men were never at the birth of Christ. Welcome to church, okay? So... Uh, the wise men weren't there. Now, now keep your nativity scene with your wise men. Okay, if you have it, like keep keep them there. It's cool. If you want to put them off on the side, that's cool too. The wise men showed up after the birth, and I'm going to show you, and I'm going to unpack this a little bit. But some people just don't realize that, right? We just get going, and we see this stuff, and we're like, oh yeah, the wise men were there, and there were three wise men. We don't really know if there were three, but we're going to unpack that a little bit. We're going to look at the story of the wise men. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to Matthew chapter 2. If you don't have a paper Bible or a Bible on your phone, we got a big Bible on the screen that you'll be able to follow along easy today. So Matthew chapter 2, if you're there, say Amen. All right, we'll give you one more second and one, and for you that are still turning, we're going to go. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Here we go. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, 
and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. He and all of Jerusalem with him. Now you got to think that, okay? Jerusalem at this time is actually a pretty good-sized city. And, and to this day, if you go back there, you can only build so much out because of all the holy sites in Jerusalem. So it's actually a pretty decent-sized city. So that it says that Herod, who was Herod the Great, there's actually six Herods recorded in the Bible. Um, this is Herod the Great, and he named himself Herod the Great. Um, he was a very corrupt, evil person. Um, he murdered all of his wives, and even when they, after this prophecy was read and shared with him that we're going to read in a moment, he actually was worried that his son was going to try to take the throne, so he killed his son that was next in line. That's how evil this guy was, okay? He's a bad man. Like, you know, he's got like worst king of the world award, okay? That's, that's King Herod. And so he's troubled. Why is he troubled? Because he's a power-hungry person that's a control freak, and nobody can take my kingdom. This is my kingdom. And by the way, for any of you control freaks in the room, it's good to let go of your kingdom, okay? I encourage you this Christmas, kind of let go of some things. Be okay with things not always being perfect. All right, so here the great. Verse 4, let's go on. And when they all gathered, all the chief priests and the scribe of the people together... He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet. So now they're, they're quoting this messianic prophecy. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are you not least among the rulers of Judah? For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So this is, this is what's known as a messianic prophecy. It's a, it's a prophecy concerning the Messiah. And, and, and this was foretold uh, 700 years beforehand. It was foretold by the prophet Micah, who was about the same time as Isaiah. I like Micah. He was the kind of prophet that he was like, he, he wasn't just going to go with the status quo. He called out religious leaders. He called out the government. He called out people that were oppressing the poor and taking advantage of people. Like, he's my dude. And so Micah, in the course of following God, he has this prophecy that he writes out. And, and that's what they were quoting right there. It's Micah 5, 2. I think we have it on the screen. Micah 5, verse 2. As for you, Bethlehem. So this is that exact prophecy that they're quoting to the wise men with King Herod. So this is the scroll that they opened up was Micah 5, 2. As for you, Bethlehem, from you one will come forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His time of coming forth are from long ago. From the days of eternity, okay? So he's not just any other king. He's not just any other man. This is Jesus our king. This is, this is God. This is the God man, okay? So why Bethlehem? Why did God, of all the places that God was gonna, gonna, gonna birth Jesus, why of all places Bethlehem? Bethlehem was the least of these. It was a small tribe. From Bethlehem came King David. If you remember the story of David that fought Goliath, he came from this area. And, and it was gonna be, the, the Christ child was gonna be born there. But why there? And, you know, one of the, one of the themes that you see throughout the scriptures is just like Beth Bethlehem was the least of the cities, a small place, kind of obscure. God loves grabbing the least of these, the untalented, the obscure, and the list goes on, the unqualified and qualifying them to do something amazing. I, I, a friend of mine, Mark Batterson, incredible author, 
He said these words. He says, if you do the little things now as if they were big things, soon you'll begin experiencing big things in your life as if they were little. If you do little things now as if they were big, in other words, if you're a good steward of all those little things, soon God's going to begin doing big things in your life as if they were little. God loves the little. He loves, don't, don't, don't despise the day of little, small, obscure beginnings. All right, let's go on. Matthew 2, verse 7. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise man, he determined from them what time the star appears. So now Herod's got his attention. His antennas are up. He's going, now what's going on? There's a king that's coming that's going to overthrow me. Like, I want to find out who this king is. And he's trying to pretend like, oh, I want to go worship him. He has no, no, no desire to go worship him. In verse 8, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. Notice it says young child. We'll come back to this in a second. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. He's a liar. It's like the devil. If the devil is speaking, he's lying, okay? He's lying. Verse 9. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Remember that. We're going to come back to this in a second. Verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. They hadn't even seen Jesus yet. They're just seeing the star over the place where they know inside we believe he's here. And just with that, these wise men, these wealthy men, kings in their own right, treasuries, these guys are coming and they're see- and just with that, like they're giddy, like a kid on Christmas morning. Verse 11, and when they had come into the house, everybody say the house, when they've come into the house, not the stable, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And when you read that, that they fell down and worshipped him, like if you really look into the, the, the tense of that and when you go through the Greek and the Hebrew of it, it's like taking a vase and just throwing it on the ground and watching it shatter. Like it was just that they fell down, like, like almost like violent, like they just threw down themselves and they began to worship. These educated leaders in their own right, kings, wise men, wealthy individuals, threw themselves at a baby with two parents that are poor and they threw themselves down and they just began to worship him. Just, and when they opened their treasures, plural, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warmed in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. All right, so these wise men, let me just give you a little bit of backstory on them. So these guys are from Persia. Uh, they traveled about a 1,000 miles to get to Jerusalem and then into Bethlehem, and it was about a six to nine-month journey, okay? So, um, and I know a lot of, another thing with our nativity scenes, I know most of them have camels. We don't know if they were on camels or horses. Most of those guys would have rode a horse at that time, but the camel looks cool, so camel it is. Um, and so it, it's about a six to nine month journey just to get there. So these guys, I mean, if you're going to take a six to nine month journey back then, 
you're probably not going by yourself. There probably wasn't just one or two of them. We, well, we know that there was at least two or more of them because it's magi when, um, I think it's magos in the Greek is a singular um, where magi is plural. And so we know that there was more than one of them. We don't know that there was three, but that we do have three gifts. So because we know there was three gifts, most of our nativity scenes have three, three wise men. All right, so don't throw it. Some of you are saying, man, you're gonna ruin my nativity scene, Pastor Jeff, you know? So uh, the Bible doesn't specifically tell us exactly how many there were, but there was probably good evidence um, if you go and research and go back to, to how they would travel back then. They probably came with a good-sized caravan. And so they had guards. They had people watching over the treasury, the money. When you're walking around with that kind of coin in your pocket back then, right, you don't, you don't have electronic payments and debits and everything else or a chip in your hand. Back then, you literally had gold, you had stuff. You had to hold on. So you would probably have protectors with you, people that were there to guard you. So how did they know to go and follow a star? I don't know if you've ever asked that question. It's a good question. I asked that question. Uh, why, how did they even know? One of, one of the main theories that most theologians, most theologians would agree is the most accurate one is that the Magi read an old prophecy now, if you go back and you understand who the Magi were, there was a gentleman that, that was known as the father of the Magi. He kind of founded their movement, if you will, and he was a prophet named Balaam. If that name sounds familiar, it's because he's in the Old Testament, and if you remember, there's a story in the book of Numbers where the children of Israel are coming around the land, and there's this guy, Balak, who is king of Moab, and Balak uh, wants to curse the children of Israel. He's like, man, I've heard about these guys. I want to get them off of my land and out of here. I never want to see them. They're going to take over if I allow them to be near me. And so Balak pays money to hire Balaam, a prophet. He's like, hey, you, you, you prophesy and it comes true. I'm going to pay you a lot of money. I want you to speak curses over the, these, these Israelites. And so Balaam gets up and he's ready to speak his best curse over God's people. And you know what happens? He pronounces a blessing. Four times. Four times he pronounces a blessing over the children of Israel. And he's like, I can't curse what God has blessed. I can't, like he's opening his mouth to curse and he begins to speak a blessing. Can I encourage you today? There's people that probably want to open a mouth, their mouth and try to curse you, and I'm believing God's going to close it, and they're going to end up speaking a blessing over you, all right? And for all the rest of us unholy people, there's probably times where you're ready to speak a curse, and God's going to say, psh, psh, and you're going to speak a blessing. Psh, I'm going to speak a blessing over that person. So, so Balaam starts this movement called the Magi, and then you go fast forward now hundreds of years, and here they are. So they knew that there was going to be a star that was going to come up um, out of uh, Judah that's going to pronounce the birth of the Messiah. So they had a bit, they had something there that led them to even have a desire to go and follow a star in the first place. And so the time has come, and they've seen it. Now, some experts say the star was, it was like this planetary alignment, 
could be. I mean, God can do whatever he wants to make a star look like a bigger star. Um, some people say, well, it could have been angels. When the angels pronounced the birth of Jesus and there was a host of angels, that could have looked from far away like a big star. Um, we know that angels in the book of Revelation, the angels are referred to as stars. Jesus is referred to in scriptures as the bright morning star. Whatever, there's a star. But one of the things about the star that we just read is the Magi walk out And it says the star went and it stood over the house. Now, I love taking my family out to look at the stars. One of our favorite spots to go is Joshua Tree. Anybody go to Joshua Tree? Man, we'll go there in the afternoon, hike, hang out, and then when it gets dark and the stars come out, it's gorgeous. Like, I love it. And all my time looking at stars, I've seen some shooting stars, but I've never seen a star went. And I've never seen a star that stood <laughs> over a house. But this star went and the star stood over the house. And the wise men go. And I just love the picture of the humility of these guys. You know, we live in such a time and age in, in a society where it's all about me. Christmas time, it's all about the stuff we're going to get, the things we're going to buy, the deals we're going to get, right? That's why we're marketed to, like every time that you open your phone, you're marketed to by a drug company, you're marketed to by uh, a car company, uh, you're marketed to by, you know, whatever, right? Entertainment. We're constantly marketed to because the world has been turned into it's all about me. But to the wise men, it was all about Jesus. It was all about what I can give. What can I bring? And if I can be honest with you as a pastor for church, um, it's, it's not all about us. It's all about him. You know, when we, when we, we had that time in worship, and it was so great to have Sarah Emerson with us stewarding that time of leading worship and coming into God's presence today. When we get together as a worship team, we pray and we just say, Holy Spirit, you know, what, what songs do you want to hear? What, what songs are going to bless the heart of the Father? And then we do our best in playing through some different things to come up with the songs that would be known as the quote-unquote worship set on a Sunday morning that it so blesses the Father and that the rest of us get caught up in that. Because when the Father's pleased, when he's in the room, everything changes. When he's in the room. Jesus was born, he was suddenly in the room. And everything changed. And these wise men came and they extravagantly Worship, and it says that they had a, a they had this exceedingly great joy. How many could use some more exceedingly great joy in your life this season? My message points are brief today, and I'm going to share with you how I believe God wants to give you exceedingly great joy. King Jesus, exceedingly great joy. We see this picture of the wise men. And they come and they have this time of extravagant generosity and extravagant worship. I have yet to meet somebody who is extravagantly generous, who's not also very joyous. Like, if, 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 if you are a grumpy Christian, I would encourage you that you probably need to go back and have an encounter with God. I, if, I, if I was your pastor, I would lovingly encourage you, how's your daily encounter with God? Like a daily encounter isn't just reading a scripture or two. 
A daily encounter is where you're sitting down or you're walking or you're praying or you're praising and you just say, God, what do you want to tell me today? What do you want to speak to me today? What do you want to speak to me? And our worship and our daily encounters with God, it changes the atmosphere. And these guys had an encounter with God and, and they, they, they come with so much honor to Jesus as the Christ child. And so for Authentic Church, one of the things that we have is we have, we put together this thing called a culture card. It's just kind of how we do life here at Authentic. Every family's got their own culture. Uh, every family's got their own culture, good or bad. Uh, and part of the culture here at Authentic Church is one of the values we have is actually the value of honor. And we, we would say it this way, we believe honor is heaven's value. And so we say we believe that honor is the gateway that brings heaven to earth. Honoring God and each other, it's not optional. When we live a life of honor, we protect unity and create safe spaces for growth and honesty. Honor. So these wise men come and they're, they're there to honor the Christ child and in so doing so, they're really honoring Mary and Joseph. They're, that scene is just this beautiful worship moment of extravagant generosity and extravagant worship. And the result was exceedingly great joy. You wanna have joy in your life? Be an extravagant giver. Be an extravagant worshiper. Extravagant in worship, extravagant in giving. I made a decision a long time ago in my life when I got saved and met my beautiful wife. We've been married now 20 years and started having babies. And I just made the decision that I was never going to allow my kids to see me get more excited about my football team that I love to watch, the Seahawks, who are having a very terrible year. Um, flashes of brilliance. Not so much, though. And, um, but I, I just made a decision. I'm never going to cheer louder for my team and yell at the TV than I'm going to give praise and honor and, joy and, and, and rejoice in what God has done in my life. And there's something that changes men when we honor God and we praise and we worship. The statistics are so strong that when the men of the house lead, when the men of the house pray, when the men of the house worship, it just sets the tone for not just your house, but the lineage of your family. So the wise men come, they bear gift to Jesus, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna close with these. So for our family, uh, we only give our kids three gifts at Christmas. I know some of you, you guys are over the top. I know Miss, Vic, Miss Vicky's in the background, and she is like a walking Target store of presents for everybody that she meets, okay? She's amazing, and she's super generous. For our kids, we give them three gifts because baby Jesus got three gifts, okay? And so we do gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So gold, the gold gift for our kids, it's like the thing that they really want, right? It's like, you know, whatever that big present is, the, 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 the Legos, or when they were younger, the bicycle, you know, whatever it is, right? You know, it's like whatever the big gold gift. The frankincense is something that, you know, when you, when you, frankincense is something that you smell, so it's, we call it a sharing gift. So everybody gets to enjoy the sharing gift. So that's like a game or a toy or whatever that we all play with. And then the myrrh gift is, the need gift. That's like socks and underwears, man. Like you, we're going to buy them for you anyway, but we can do this on account of Christmas and <laughs> saving the budget. 
<laughs> so, so that's that's what they get. So gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But in the Bible, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh represented something a little bit different. So the first one was gold. Gold represented the royalty of Jesus. Jesus came. They give him gold. You don't give gold to anybody. You give gold to royalty. You would present that as a gift of royalty. The next one was frankincense. Frankincense represented Jesus' divinity, that he wasn't just another man. He wasn't just another baby. He was the God-man. He's the Savior of the world. There's nobody like him. There's nobody that's ever been like him. There's, there, the, he is the Son of God. He is God. That represents his divinity. And then myrrh represents Jesus' humanity. Jesus' humanity. And I'm going to have Sarah join me up front and just play something softly in the back. And, um, you know, we have... Uh, talked this year, we, we've talked a lot, one of the series we did, we talked about declarations. And in our humanity, sometimes we forget that we're a spirit, soul, and a body. And I don't know about you, but sometimes my body gets tired. And I, I need a recharge, right? And so I rest, and I recharge. Sometimes my spirit gets a little weary and tired. And I come into an environment like this, and I hear all of your voices in worship and prayers and get around some brothers and sisters in Christ and 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 you guys and we we all have our spirits encouraged and the Lord comes and meets with us and he inhabits the praises of his people and our our spirits get rejuvenated but you also have a soul and there's there's a bit of a tired to the soul that sleep will not cure and your soul it's your mind it's your will It's your emotions. And one of the best ways to impact the soul is by changing your words. And so we put together this this one-page document called the I Am Declarations. And the I Am Declarations is a bunch of scriptures laid out, but they're written in the first person that you can declare over your life, over your family, over your children, over your job, over your finances. And you begin to declare these things on earth as they are in heaven, and they shall become. Scripture's like you're more than a conqueror. Scripture's like, no, you have the mind of Christ. Somebody said, I I feel so confused. And I said, okay, you've you've seen it. You know what that is. I feel a bit of a confusion on this issue. All right, now you're going to pray into it and ask the Lord, what is the word of the Lord for that? And you're going to start to declare, I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. Somebody might say, I'm sick in my body. Well, then my scripture for you is, by his stripes you were healed. It says, by, your, by his stripes you were healed. It doesn't say, by his stripes you will hopefully one day be healed. It says, by his stripes you were healed. So when Jesus took what he took on the cross, he did it. Yes, to redeem you and bring you back to the Father, but to give you healing on earth to give you life and life abundantly. He wants you to prosper as your soul prospers. He wants to prosper your soul. So we have these declarations and we have them out there on the connect table for you. It's kind of a small gift to you that we want to sow into your life. And I would encourage you. I I, I make my kids, we we read it on on Mondays. That's my day to take the kids to school. And so on Mondays we go and the last part of our drive, we have copies for everybody in the car and I pass it around. And I give it to my kids, and we also take a couple of kids. We pick a couple of kids up. I'm carpool dad. And so pick a couple kids up. I said, all right, guys, it's time to declare some things over our lives. 
and we all go in sync. And I am a mighty man of God filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I am more than a conqueror in Christ. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength in Jesus' name. And we begin to declare these things over our lives. I'm telling you, you do that with some passion and some gusto in your spirit, your spirit's going to feel it. That song we sang earlier where we're talking about like, oh, come on, my soul, don't you get, come on, you know, lift up your song. There's a lion in you. I'm telling you, you read that with some gusto, you're going to feel like you got a lion inside and it's ready to roar. And that lion is Jesus, right? Jesus in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And you begin to declare these things over your life. You're going you're gonna to get out of your prayer closet. You're going to feel 10 feet tall and bulletproof, I'm telling you. So today, that's one of the gifts that we have for you. And if you're here and maybe you're saying, hey, this all sounds great, man. I, I don't even really know Jesus. I want to have a relationship with him, and I don't have that. Uh, I, I want to experience the power of God. I want to encounter his royalty and his divinity. And, and, but man, in my state right now, like I, I'm going through some stuff. And, and if you're here and, and that's you, I just want to encourage you this Christmas, take time to pause. I'm going to lead you in a prayer in a moment. And it's going to help you enter into a relationship with Jesus. The best prayer you can ever pray begins with coming to Jesus and calling him Lord and Savior. And if you confess that he's Lord and Savior, that means you're not. You're not Lord of your life. That means I don't call the shots in my life. It means I don't try to control everything and everyone and every situation. It means that I'm yielding to him. I'm yielding to him as King Jesus, that he is royalty. I'm yielding to him, that he is the son of God. He is, he is the savior that I can't save myself. I'm yielding to him in the fact that he's my healer what he took on the cross, he did for me and for all of us. And so I don't need to pay the penalty of my sin. You don't need to pay the penalty of our, your sin. Nobody could ever pay enough penalty of our sins to be able to get into heaven. It's the grace of God. Said that the wise men, it said that they, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. What does it mean to rejoice? It means you're rehearsing, rehashing that joy. It's, it's our response. When we rejoice, it's a response for the joy that we have. Where do we get joy from? Joy at its root is the grace of God. The grace of God is the unmerited, unearned favor of God. Like by the grace of God, I'm alive. By the grace of God, I am still walking today. By the grace of God, I have a family today. By the grace of God, I'm a pastor today. By the grace of God. So with that grace, and I recognize that this not by my own strength, I did not place myself here. I did not keep myself safe through all the car accidents and the crazy stuff I've been through, and you've been through it too. There's no way but by the grace of God. So that grace that you recognize that you've received causes joy to stir up inside of you that results in an outpouring of joy. So we rejoice in the Lord. Why don't we just all stand together this morning? And as we conclude our time together, I just want to ask you all, just pause and reflect on the word today. What, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you in this message? Lord, what are you saying to me in this message? What are you saying to me? In the, in the generosity and extravagant worship of the wise men, what are you saying to me in my worship? What, 
What are you saying to me? And that level of generosity and just incredible giving that they, that generosity that they shown in worship. What, what are you speaking to me? What is my posture to be? Is there someone that needs this hope that I found in Jesus? Is there someone that, that needs something that I can serve them in or serve them with? What are you saying to me this morning in this message, Lord? And I'm going to lead you in a prayer of salvation now. And If you're here and you've not put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's actually really simple. It's not complicated. It's one of the things I love about God. He's so simple. Faith is actually really simple. It's just recognizing that Jesus is Lord and Savior and then saying, Lord, would you, I recognize that you're the Christ, that you're the Messiah. Lord, would you just forgive me? Would you forgive me of any sins that I've committed? God, would you just wipe it clean again? Would you just pick me up again? God, would you forgive me? Would you heal me? Would you save me? And so I just encourage you this morning, just pray that, Lord Jesus, come on, let's, let's just pray together as a church family. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus I need you. I need you. Would you forgive me again this morning? Forgive me for all of my sins. Forgive me for all my sins. I, I, I put my trust and my faith in you. I put my trust and my faith in you. You are my Lord and my Savior. You are my Lord and my Savior. And I rejoice. And I rejoice. At your love for me. At your love. And your grace for me. Grace. Thank you for forgiving me, God. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for washing me white as snow. Thank you for washing me white as snow. I need your help, God. I pray that you would bless me. Pray you bless me. I pray that you'd keep all evil from me. Pray you'd keep all evil from me. And that you would help me. May you help me. Live out my days. Live out my days. In your will for your glory. In your will for your glory. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you prayed that prayer, that's the beginning. That's the first step. And you just prayed the most awesome prayer you could ever pray. And coming into the family of God. The next step for you would be to be baptized. And this morning, we're going to have a time of baptism now with uh, Josiah and anybody else that would like to be baptized. Like I said earlier, we have shirts, we have towels, we have all the things that you might need. If you need prayer for anything today that we didn't already pray about or cover, we're going to have some people up front that will hang out today, and we would love to pray with you. If you have a prayer need and you've come to church and you leave and you still haven't received prayer, um, I just want to encourage you, go back into the church. We all need prayer at different times. There's, don't be shy about it. Come and just say, hey, can you pray with me about such and such? I really want to see breakthrough in this area. There's something so comforting and so faith-building when we gather together and pray with other believers. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, uh, I just want to pray a blessing over you. If you need to leave today, uh, if you're unable to join us for the baptisms, I know people have lunch and stuff like that. I want to pray a blessing upon you. I want to remind you that on uh, Saturday night, December 24th, Christmas Eve, we'll be gathering here at 4 o'clock. It'll be a one-hour service. It'll be awesome, family-friendly service. They're going to hear the any person you bring. They're going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that is the most important thing this Christmas season. Amen. Let me pray a blessing over you today. God, I thank you. I thank you for your word that is unchanging. 
yet it's changing our lives every single day. I thank you that it's timeless and timely. God, I thank you for speaking to us today. God, and I pray, Father, that we would go forth from this place today. And Lord, that you would help us. Help us to be like the wise men. Help us to be those extravagant givers, those people that are incredibly generous to those around us, God. Help us, Lord, in that and help us to be extravagant worshipers. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us in spirit and in truth in our worship. And I pray the blessing of God in every person here. I pray against all sickness, God, that they, they would remain healthy through the holidays, through all the gatherings and hanging out. Those that aren't here today because they're home not feeling well, we pray healing in their bodies in the name of Jesus. We rebuke sickness in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for meeting with us today. I pray your blessing over your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you, Authentic Church. We'll see you Christmas Eve. If you need prayer, go ahead and come up front. If you'd like to be baptized, you can meet me out by the baptismal tank in the courtyard. In just in a couple minutes, we'll have the baptism. God bless you. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.